Welcome to The Open Word, the online teaching ministry of Pastor David Landry on today's episode. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. response to this call to say, rise up, Peter, kill, and eat. It was very logical, very logical. It just made absolute good Jewish sense. No way. I'm not going to kill that. I've, I've, I've never eaten anything unclean. I'm not going to go there. But the problem is, gang, sometimes our God does not move in human logical ways. I don't know if you've noticed that yourself, but I've noticed it in my 66 years that God moves many times in ways that are absolutely illogical to my thinking. God will often ask something of you that simply doesn't make sense. Pastor David teaches you today that your human logic will often betray you. When it comes to Jesus, things don't always go as expected. If you're not ready for this and not truly in tune with Jesus and his will for you, you'll run the risk of heavy disappointment. Commit to having a strong relationship with Christ and a solid understanding of His Word so that when His way doesn't align with yours, you'll know to trust in Him above all else. Now here's Pastor David in the book of Acts chapter 10 as he begins his message, A Divine Appointment. When Moses was sent by God to Egypt to let the people go, to bring them out of the Egyptian bondage, God began preparing this people as as a nation unto himself. And because he was preparing that nation unto himself, he gave them specific, he gave them detailed instructions on how they ought to live their lives. Those instructions were part of what made them a a peculiar people against all the other nations of of the earth. The instructions dealt with every, every, every area of their lives. Their system of worship, absolutely. But also it dealt with their their home life. It dealt with their uh, physical hygiene. It dealt even with their physical relationships. It dealt with the clothes that they wore. It dealt with their diet. Everything about them, God gave instruction because he was forming for himself a particular people that again would represent him to the world around them. And every good, every honorable Jew did all that he could in order to keep those laws, working very hard not to break any of these rules, even to the point that their religious leaders, once they had the law of God laid out, they added laws to that in order to kind of build a cushion so that, again, you wouldn't break that law. They, they built other laws onto it. So what God had given to them in a small form, the religious leaders increased it to an even greater form. Absolutely amazing. And, and some of those laws, actually, when we stop and think about it, they were actually kind of humorous. Uh, you kind of think back and think, really? Come on. 
And this wasn't the law of God. This was the law of man that was added to the law of God. According to the Shulchan Aruch, the, uh, the code of Jewish law, and again, this isn't God's law. This is man's law on top of God's law. Every step of the Jew's life, from the moment he woke up until he fell asleep at night, they had special order and special directions. There was a special order even on how you put your shoes on in the morning. You had to put your right shoe on first, and then your left shoe, and then you would tie the left shoe, and then go back and tie the right shoe. You had to do it in order. That was the prescribed way. In order to honor the Sabbath day, one of God's laws and rules, well, in order to keep it holy, according to tradition, the Jewish leaders figured out, okay, what does it mean to honor the Sabbath? And suddenly they built laws to where the Jews couldn't write, they could not erase, they couldn't tear paper up, they could not shop, they could not drive, they could not, these days even, talk on the phone, they couldn't even, again, these days, uh, turn on a television or anything else that uses electricity. Doing laundry, cooking, cleaning, conducting any kind of business transaction, the Orthodox Jew today, again, these are laws and rules of man that have come about in order to, quote unquote, keep the Sabbath holy. As a matter of fact, you go to Israel today, and if you're staying at a hotel, on the Sabbath, on Saturday, Friday evening, on into Saturday, uh, you don't push the buttons on the elevator. The elevator will stop and open on every floor, going up and going down, in order that you don't have to work at pushing the button. You want to keep the Sabbath holy. You don't want to work on the Sabbath day. Oh, and, and also, you could never have milk and uh, have a, a meat and, and eat meat product of any kind. Again, uh, that, that includes uh, no cheeseburgers. Uh, Orthodox Jews do not eat cheeseburgers, so uh, uh, that's just the way. They, they get that, actually, from one of God's laws. One of God's laws, uh, written a couple of times in Exodus, but also in Deuteronomy 14.21. They all three say the exact same thing. You shall not boil a young goat in its mother's milk. So it makes perfect sense, right? No cheeseburgers. The idea and the thought was, is the cheese is made out of a milk product, okay? And you're putting a milk product with a meat product. And by the time it gets down into your digestive system and all the churning and everything that that does, and some of us churn and turn a lot more than others, uh, that, they say, well, that's kind of like boiling the young kid or the, the, the goat in its mother's milk. And so they've made these elaborate laws. Now again, now these are just some of the additional laws that these Jewish leaders added to God's law. But you do need to realize that God's law, the laws that we get from Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, the laws God gave to the Jewish people, they were still really restrictive in a lot of ways because God was, again, forming a particular people separate from the rest of the nations. As a matter of fact, in that passage that we just looked at about not boiling the young goat in its mother's milk, that's in Deuteronomy 14, uh, we also see in Leviticus chapter 11, as well as Deuteronomy 14, there's a tremendous amount of rules just about your diet, what you can eat and what you can't eat. Uh, I won't read them all to you this morning, but let me give you just a small sample. There in Leviticus chapter 11, it begins that the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying to them, speak to the children of Israel, saying, these are the animals which you may eat. 
among the animals, whatever divides the hoof, having a cloven hoof, in other words, uh, and chewing the cud, those you may eat, okay? But you cannot eat camels, okay? Because even though the camel chews its cud, it doesn't have a cloven hoof. And then along with that, he starts speaking about uh, the rock badger. The rock badger actually chews its cud, but it doesn't have a cloven foot. It has like pads, like a, a mammal, like a rabbit. Oh, as a matter of fact, you cannot eat rabbits either. Uh, because again, though they chew the cud, they have you know just uh, furry feet, and not uh, cloven hooves. They're unclean to you. Oh, and by the way, the swine or the pig, Though it does have a divided hoof, it doesn't chew the cud, so you can't eat that. It's unclean. So if you're ever wondering why couldn't they eat the pig, well, that's one of the reasons. There's others. What, what about seafood? What kind of seafood can you eat? Well, if you're a good or well, if you're following God's law as far as a Jew, as long as it had scales and fins, you could eat that. That was good. But for those of us that love catfish, we're in trouble. We cannot eat the catfish. Uh, it has to have fins, so no, no eel sandwiches. You cannot have eel sandwiches. Forget the, uh, the uh, uh, octopus and all that kind of stuff. You're not going to have, I, you can have mine anyways, but uh, <laughs> what about fowl? Uh, you know, what kind of birds can you, well, again, there's a restriction. Uh, the eagle, the vulture, the buzzard, the falcon, these are all unclean. The ostrich, uh, um, pretty much every owl that there is, you can't eat those. Uh, the seagull, but who would eat a seagull anyway? Uh, the stork, the heron. Oh, and by the way, the bat, you can't eat the bat either. Uh, that's all right, I wouldn't. Uh, flying insects, kind of interesting here, flying insects. Actually, in verse 21, it says, these you may eat, the flying insects. Uh, the locust after its kind, the destroying locust after its kind. Uh, you can have the cricket even if you want it. And so those times during the year when crickets invade, you can just pop those in your mouth. It's not a problem at all. <laughs> the grasshopper. All these flying insects, he says, that have four feet. All other flying insects, though, are an abomination to you. And if one dies and falls on something... You have to either destroy whatever that is or you need to wash it and purify it again. So again, when we get those invasions of crickets and you got dead crickets everywhere, that means you got to shampoo or clean or whatever. All these things, oh yeah, and he goes on down in verse 29. Don't forget, you cannot eat the mole. Don't eat any moles. You can't eat any mice, uh, no large lizards, no geckos, no sand reptiles, no chameleon. Again, the, the crazy stuff that's in there, but God wanted to make sure that his people knew what they could and could not eat. Then it gets down to 42. Whatever crawls on its belly, whatever goes on all fours, and whatever has many feet among all creeping things that creep on the earth, these you shall not eat. So again, if you see a centipede, leave it alone. Don't try to munch on that. And again, he goes, don't defile yourself with any of these creeping things that creep on the earth. That's just a small sample. But this is the area actually that we're going to be looking at a little bit today. It's the area that Simon Peter himself is going to have to deal with. We're actually, we're not in Leviticus this morning, we're in the book of Acts. And I invite you to take your Bibles, if you would, turn to Acts chapter 10. 
We've been going through uh, Acts for a while. We started in chapter 10 a couple of weeks ago. Last week, we spent a good deal of time dealing with this man by the name of Cornelius. He was a Gentile. He was a Roman centurion. Uh, but Luke tells us in, in Acts chapter 10, verse 2, that Cornelius was a devout man. He was one who feared God with all of his household. He was one who gave alms generously to the people, and Cornelius was a man that prayed to God always. Now, you need to understand, he wasn't a proselyte to, to Judaism. He was a Gentile. Neither was he uh, converted to Christianity, at least not yet at this point. He was a Gentile man, but Luke makes it very clear. He was a devout man who feared God with all his household, gave alms generously to the people. He prayed to God always. And guess what, gang? God paid attention to his devotion. That was something that, again, a, a Jew couldn't even begin to fathom, that God would pay any attention to a Gentile for anything. Uh, and, and even for the Jews that had become Christians at this point in time, they still had this understanding that in order to become a Christian, you need to become a Jew first, fulfill all the requirements of Judaism, including the keeping of the law in order to become a Christian. You had to go through this step A first before you could go through step B. Well, God is about to give an object lesson. And I don't know about you, but I found through life that God's pretty good at giving object lessons. We, we see practical things that God does in our life, bam, to get our attention and then he usually then teaches us from those things. Well, right now, God is going to take Simon Peter to school, actually to school again, because as we read through the gospel accounts and even through Acts, we find Peter going to school a whole lot, the school of hard knocks, and some of us have never graduated that school, amen? We're, we're still there. Uh, again, Acts 10, but let's look down in verse 9. And again, as we looked last week, God had already sent an angel to tell Cornelius that God was pleased with him. The angel also instructed Cornelius to send some folks down to Joppa to find Peter. So he'll come and Peter will tell you what you must do. So now we are at Acts 10 verse 9. The next day, as they, that group that was going to go down and get Peter, as they went on their journey and drew near the city, Peter went up on the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. The sixth hour is about noon. Then he became very hungry and wanted to eat. But while they made ready, he fell into a trance. Happens to me sometimes when I want to eat. No. But this is different. This is different. While they made ready, he fell into a trance, and he saw heaven opened, and an object like a great sheet bound at four corners, descending to him and let down to the earth. Now, before we go any further, let me set the scene for you here. Peter had felt led by the Holy Spirit. We read this earlier on in the earlier uh, of, of the chapter prior to this, chapter nine, had been led by the Holy Spirit to move around all parts of the country. Uh, he finally came to the saints that dwelt in Lydda. And Lydda was a small town located between Jerusalem and Joppa. Joppa was by the sea, again, a port city. Lydda was about 11 miles from Joppa. Well, while he was at Lydda, uh, Lydda uh, that's where Peter saw this man, Aeneas, who had been bedridden for eight years. He was paralyzed 
God healed Aeneas through, again, the, the, the work of Peter. It was about this same time that Aeneas was healed, 11 miles down the road in Joppa, this young woman by the name of Tabitha, uh, also known as uh, Dorcas, she became sick and she died. And they sent the disciples from Joppa to go find Peter in Lydda to come uh, to Joppa. And when he gets to Joppa, he prays over Tabitha. She raises from the dead an absolute amazing miracle of God. And then we see in chapter 9, verse 42, it became known throughout all Joppa and many believed in the Lord. So it was that he, Peter, stayed many days in Joppa with Simon a tanner. So he's at the house of Simon the tanner. And one day around noon, while he's at Simon's house, waiting for that falafel sandwich uh, to be ready and go, he, he goes up to the rooftop and begins praying. While he's waiting for lunch, during his prayer, that's when he fell into the trance. That's when he saw heaven open and an object like a great sheet bound at the four corners, descending to him, let down to the earth. Verse 12 now. In that sheet that was lowered, in it were all kinds of four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts and creeping things. Remember, we just read about these things. And birds of the air. And a voice came and said, rise up, Peter, kill and eat. Now, we really don't see Luke saying that all of these were, again, unclean animals. But I believe that by the context of what we see here, they are probably, if not all, they are mostly unclean. And Peter's response to that, again, being under the Levitical law still, because he still has his Jewish mindset, even though he is now a Christian, verse 14 says that Peter said, not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything common or unclean. Like any good Jew of his time, Peter knew what was clean. He knew what was unclean. And God's word was very clear, just as we read earlier about these things. And he had been trained with that ever since childhood. And even as a fisherman, he knew that when he brought in his net, there were some of those fish that were good to eat, good to sell at the Jewish marketplace. There was others that were unclean that they had to get rid of, throw back into the sea. So again, he understood that. Peter was definitely not ignorant of these things. And his, and his response to this call to say, rise up, Peter, kill and eat, it was very logical, very logical. It just made absolute good Jewish sense. No way. I'm not going to kill that. I've, I've, I've never eaten anything unclean. I'm not going to go there. But the problem is, gang, sometimes our God does not move in human logical ways. I don't know if you've noticed that yourself, but I've noticed it in my 66 years that God moves many times in ways that are absolutely illogical to my thinking. In Peter's refusal to obey what the Lord was telling him to do, God spoke to him again. Look at verse 15. And a voice spoke to him again the second time. What God has cleansed, you must not call common. And then this was done three times, and the object was then taken up into heaven again. Now, I don't know if you remember or not, but Peter always seemed to have this habit of having a better plan than God. 
God would, uh, anybody else have, ever have that problem? He comes to me, yeah, no, I, I, I got this thing, God. Back in Matthew 16, you don't need to turn there, but you'll probably remember, Jesus is telling the disciples, I, I'm going to have to go to Jerusalem. When I get to Jerusalem, uh, I'm going to be arrested. I'm going to suffer many things from the elders, the chief priests, uh, not only arrested, but they're going to crucify me, but don't worry, I'm going to raise again in three days. Well, it was our man, Simon Peter, that had a better idea. And so he took Jesus privately off to the side and he actually began to rebuke Jesus. That's what Matthew tells us. Peter began to rebuke Jesus. Can you imagine even the thought of that? And he said, far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. And Jesus says, wow, thanks, Peter. That's a much better plan than what God had. No, what did he say? He turned to Simon Peter and he said, get behind me, Satan, because you're an offense to me. For you're not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. Peter, you're moving in the logic of man and not through the direction of the spirit of God. If you remember in the upper room on the night that he was betrayed, John tells us in his gospel account that, that Jesus began to wash all the disciples' feet. He was giving them an object lesson on, on, on servanthood at that point in time. And when he got to old Peter, uh, suddenly Peter began to balk at this whole thing. And John tells us that Peter told Jesus, you shall never wash my feet. He had a better plan. And Jesus answered him, said, if I don't wash your feet, then you'll have no part of me. Well, Peter, instead of being quiet and saying, Lord, do as you will. No, he decided he still had a better plan than God. He said, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. And again, Peter, you're still in your mindset. You're still going your direction. It was Peter, remember, he was the one that, that, that bragged about the fact, if I have to die with you, I'll not deny you. And yet he's the very one that denied with cursing and swearing as he left that courtyard during the time of the trials of Jesus. He was the one, remember, Peter was the one who determined to do it his way instead of the Lord's way but in there in the garden as they were arresting Jesus. And Peter took out the sword and swung it and took off the ear of Malchus, the high, chief's, or the high priest's uh, servant. That was Peter, it seems he always had a better plan than the Lord. Sad, isn't it? Some guys just never learn, do we? I look at some of these things and, and I began to wonder. I said, really? All of that, Lord, and you're still going to use that guy. And then I hear the word of the Father with loving grace and mercy says, I'm still using you, aren't I? <laughs> Let's move on. Uh, we're, we're back in Acts again, Acts 10, verse 15. And so a voice spoke to Peter, again that second time, what well, God has cleansed, do not call common. It was done three times, the object was taken up. Verse 17, now while Peter wondered, he didn't know what was going on at this time. He has not figured out the object lesson at this point in time. While Peter wondered within himself what that vision which he had seen meant, 
Behold, the men who had been sent from Cornelius had made inquiry for Simon's house. In other words, they'd gone around the town. Hey, we're looking for Simon the Tanner's house. Do you know where it's at? Well, they had found it. Now they stood before the gate. Thanks for joining Pastor David today as we study the book of Acts on the open word. Though our program has come to an end today, your time in God's word can continue. It could be beneficial to go back and study today's passage in Acts on your own and ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you about what you read. If you'd like to hear more teachings from Pastor David, you'll find them at theopenword.com. We'd love to meet you too. If you're in the Casa Grande area, please join us this weekend at Calvary Chapel Casa Grande. For directions and service times, give us a call at 520-836-9676. That's 520-836-9676. Now let's turn it back over to Pastor David for a quick request for you, our listener. Thanks, Chris. You know, as this ministry continues to grow and reach further into the community and around the nation with the message of the gospel, I know the enemy wants to stop it. I also know that prayer is a big part of holding him back. Would you take time to pray for us every time you tune in to The Open Word? Pray too for our listeners, your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, and those who may have yet to place their faith in Jesus. This last category especially needs prayer. It could be that the next message you hear may be the first time they're learning about the hope that's only found in Jesus. Please pray that their hearts would be open and that they'd make a decision to follow Jesus forever. Hey, thanks for praying, and thank you for being a loyal listener to The Open Word.